Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Amen. Y'all got your Bibles this morning. Um, turn to Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians this morning, uh, chapter 3. We're going to start in chapter 3. Or chapter 5. I'll get it in a minute. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So, you, uh, just a couple more weeks with me. Uh, two more weeks after this. I think I'm doing the math right. Uh, and then your new pastor is going to be here. I'm excited for him, excited for you guys, what's going to happen there. So I get to bring a message this morning. I said last week, and I almost didn't bring it, and then the Lord and I, you know, we're trying, you know, it's always funny. You th- I know sometimes people think it's easy for the preacher to, what am I going to preach? And you think sometimes we just get up here and say what we want to say, and sadly sometimes we do. But we get in trouble for that. Amen. I just need you to know that on those days when you think that's happened, and maybe it has, you just need to know that God is quite capable of taking care of us following those messages. Amen? Amen? Okay, and just bear with us, because we do that. But most of the time, most of the time, we want to bring the word that God has, not just for you, but for us. And as you've heard preachers say before, we get it, we get it uh, much more than you do. You get it for just a few minutes on Sunday morning. We get it the whole week in preparation, the Holy Spirit challenging and encouraging us. But the message this morning is one that I get to preach because as a transitional pastor, I can do this. I'm a pastor, but I'm a transitional pastor. I can do this and, and kind of get away with it. It's kind of awkward when a pastor preaches a message on how to love your pastor. Amen? Uh, so if your pastor were to stand up and do this, it'd be, you know, it, just would, it would be biblical, but it would just be kind of awkward. So I get to do this. Um, I think I might have shared with you before how when my very first church, we had a good pastor friend of ours come, and he preached our missions revival service for us. And, uh, and one of the messages he was talking about, he, he talked about pastors and loving your pastor and didn't ask him to, wasn't expecting it. And I'll never forget the statement he made, and I've, I've stole it and I use it. You've heard me say it before, you're going to hear me say it again. At the end of the message, he said quite simply, you just need to love the fool out of your pastor because there's plenty of fool in him, amen. And so just love your pastors, love your pastor. We're going to talk about only five things we want to look at this morning. We're going to look at some different scriptures. And so you can write them down. If you have time to turn there, you can, but don't get distracted by turning to it. Just write it down so you can go back. If you're not sure that it's in the Bible, you can go back and look, for, look at it yourself. Amen. But we're going to start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. Um, and all this came about because, and some of this material came from different places, but I have a book in my library, and the title of the book is called Your Pastor is an Endangered Species. Okay? And uh, the statistics we hear today, and I don't know how accurate some of these statistics are, but, but even if they're only halfway right, it's still too much. When you hear about the thousands of men who leave the ministry every year, the thousands of churches that close their doors every year, when we hear about those things, it, it, it should cause us to be concerned. And you think about these big churches. We think about men. I was watching, I turned on Facebook the other day and pops up, popped up Facebook Live. David Jeremiah was doing, somebody had shared, he was preaching somewhere. And I think about men like John MacArthur, David Jeremiah. They've been 20, 30, 40 years at their churches. Uh, Johnny Hunt, you know, all the time that he was there at First Baptist Woodstock. You hear about these men, Adrian Rogers, these are names of pastors. They stay at their churches for long periods of time, and, and that's the goal. That would be the ideal situation. Amen. But the average tenure of a pastor now, thankfully, is better than it used to be. When I went into the ministry over 20 years ago, the average tenure of a pastor, of a pastor, the average tenure, the average time that he spent in a church was two years. That's the average. 
which means you're taking men who've been in their churches for 20, 30, or 40 years, and you've got other men who might not even have made it six months. Well, thankfully, that average has changed. The average is up. It's, it's, it's closer to five years now. That's good. Amen. That's good because that means that you've got men who are staying one, two, three years and longer. And, and we went through a difficult time in the Southern Baptist churches where, where we saw pastors leaving the ministry, this overturn, and, and we don't ever want to go back to that. That's the wrong direction for the church to go. Say amen. So we want, to, we want to know how to have stability in the church. We want God to be present, always be. Now, he's sovereign over the church. He can move a man however he wants to, and we have to trust the Lord when that happens. But sometimes a man leaves a church because the church or the pastor or both have become discouraged with each other, and most clearly because the church or the pastor or both have gotten away from Scripture. That's the worst thing that can happen in the life of any church. Say Amen. Now, with that in mind, I want to share these five things with us this morning. What are five things? What are five things that we can do? Is it five or six? Six things. What are six things that we can do to love our pastor this morning? Um, number one, look at First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twelve and thirteen. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. I love that that sentence follows that little phrase there about loving the pastor. And and the first thing I would say is, number one, esteem and encourage your pastor's labor. Know that not everyone is called to the ministry. And there are a lot of men who say they're called to the ministry who probably aren't. And there are a lot of men that if you and I are honest, we look at them, and even though we know they've been called to the ministry, we challenge God's questioning and calling certain men into the ministry. Amen. But God calls a man into the ministry, and he puts him in that position of authority for a reason, and it's to love and lead the people of God. And so here Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, says, esteem him. Hold him in high regard because the position he holds is a position that comes from God. Now, if you're like me, you wrestle with this. I've heard people say all the time, you, you need to respect that man. You need to respect the authority, the position, respect the man because of the position of authority. And we wrestle with this in the world today. Do you respect the position or do you respect the man in the position? Can you separate the two and and we're wrestling with that in the world today and I want to say to you that if we truly respect the position then we will respect the man in the position and if we can't do that we will cover that man with our prayers because he's in a position ordained by God say amen See, this applies to anything this applies to the government this applies to police officers are we not wrestling with that in the world today how do we respect the authority the police officer Are there good police officers out there? Absolutely. Are there bad ones? Absolutely. Just like there's good and bad everything. But we don't look at the actions of the one bad individual and let it outweigh the fact that there are hundreds and thousands of good men leading and serving in all these positions that are ordained by God. So we must begin by esteeming and encouraging the labor of all those men, but in the church especially the the, the work of the pastor. Say amen. Say amen. Esteem and encourage him. Know that what he's been called to do, quite simply, is something that you have not been called to do. And understand that he's taken a responsibility that either God has not called you to do it yet, and and if you want to do it, then volunteer. You'll be surprised how fast God will, amen. 
But, but know that God has called him to that position. It's a position that God has appointed. So let him esteem him. Hold that position high and encourage him in that. And know that the greatest challenge that a pastor has, that a preacher has, but especially a pastor day in, day out, week after week, the greatest challenge he has is the preaching of sound doctrine. To present the word of God in a day when the Bible tells us, even when it was written 2,000 years ago, that the day will come when, 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 men, will be, uh, when, when men will be faithless and they'll have itchy ears. Itchy ears. They want the pastor to scratch their ears. They don't want to know the truth. They just want to come to church and leave being, well, I feel good because I went to church. Amen. And so we need men who will stand up and say, you know, maybe when we leave today, we don't need to feel good. Maybe when we leave today, we need to leave under great conviction because we're not the people God's called us to be. That's one of the responsibilities of a pastor is to know when to stand up and preach that message that's going to leave us lifted up and with strong and, 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 and happy hearts and other times when we're going to leave with heavy hearts knowing that there's work to do. So esteem and encourage your pastor's labor. Don't take for granted the preaching of sound doctrine. It's only through careful study and spirit-filled diligence do the words we hear on Sunday accurately teach us God's word. So when our souls are fed by the careful exposition and application of scripture, we should encourage our pastors. And that should be the first and greatest thing we pray for our pastors is that when he stands up, as I said a couple weeks ago, that he delivers the word of God in such a way that our hearts burn within us. And sometimes they'll burn with joy and other times they'll burn with conviction. But esteem him, hold him in a high position of honor because of what he's been called to do. The pastors have the responsibility of caring for the flock of God. Caring for the sheep of God's pasture. The pastor carries on his heart the weight of every broken marriage, a rebellious teenager, suffering saints, and much more. See, we carry that in our lives individually. We wrestle with that in our lives. But the pastor, a good shepherd, a good pastor... When you hurt, he hurts. And you've got to understand that in our family, when, we, when I have my hurt, it's just me. That's one thing. But when you're carrying the hurt of a hundred people or a thousand people, when you're carrying that weight, what that does to a man and, and how it will either drive him closer to God or further away, which is why we have so many men who leave the ministry, which is why I say, beloved, esteem and encourage him and pray for him because he is... He is he is privy to things. What a strange word, privy. <laughs> he is privy to things that you, that you and I are not privy to on a daily basis. He hears things. He knows things. He carries burdens that you and I would never carry. It's one of the easy things about being a transitional pastor or a revival preacher. Come in, preach, and leave. And I see some of the things and carry that with me. But I remember being a pastor. I remember carrying the weight. And one of the most discouraging things that can happen, you want to esteem your pastor's ministry, know, know above all else that what he's doing is trying to bring you the word of God and you pray to that end and know that one of the greatest frustrations in the life of a pastor is when we preach the word of God and we tell the church that this is what the Bible says and then we watch church members go out and totally ignore it. And then call the office and say, I need a counseling session with the pastor because I need him to tell me that it's going to be okay even though I have been disregarding everything he's been teaching me from the word of God. Esteem that. Know that what your pastor has been called to do, the highest calling above all else in the world, is to preach the word of God consistently, day in, day out, week after week, after week, after week, as long as God 
brings shepherd and flock together. Say amen. Now, number two, be patient towards your pastor's weaknesses. Be patient towards your pastor's weaknesses. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Let me turn back and read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. You know, the, you know the 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the love chapter, right? Love is patient, love is kind, love. You, we all know 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but there's, there's, I just want to pull one little part out of it because I love this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, it says, Charity suffers long, or love suffers long, and is kind. And it says that it, verse 7, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So the second thing this morning is be patient. Be patient towards your pastor's weakness. If you truly love your pastor, you will endure your pastor. Amen. <laughs> That's not a play on words. That's literally what the Bible says. Suffers long, endures one another, bears one another. And there are times when you're going to be called upon to love your pastor and you're going to have to endure him in the midst of his foolishness and his weakness. Say amen. Because we all have that in us. And that's true, beloved, not just of our pastor, but of each other. Wouldn't the church be a much greater, wonderful, better place if we all knew how to endure each other? Amen? And some of you are sitting out there going, you have no idea what I have to endure on a daily basis. Amen? <laughs> but that's what the Bible calls us to do. Say amen. Sometimes it feels like endurance, not just patience, but endurance. Like struggling, I'm doing everything I can. When you really feel the weight of that, when you're struggling with where you are in the body of Christ and things that are happening and things you see in the life of other believers, two things I want you to do. Number one, remember, number one, somebody else is looking at you and thinking the same thing. And number two, the solution to that is always prayer. It's always prayer. Because whatever it is that we see in each other that isn't working right, we can't fix. Amen. You don't have the tools to fix me. Stop trying. Amen. And I can tell you right now, you're not going to have the tools to fix your pastor. And, and, and you're going to love him. You're going to love him. And he's decided he's coming. But I'm going to tell you, give him time. You know what he's going to do? He's going to disappoint you. You know what you're going to do? You're going to disappoint him. You want to know how I know that? Because that's the world we live in. Amen. But we have a Christ who saved all of us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit who conquers all of that and can get us through that. And when we learn that and we're ready for it, we come out of that more in love, more empowered, and more enabled to make a difference in the world than ever before. Amen. Because in a day when men are rioting in the streets and fighting each other, they need to see the church coming together, hugging one another, weeping with one another, laughing with one another, enduring one another, loving one another until Jesus comes back. Amen. Know that he has weaknesses and pray for those weaknesses. Pray that God would take it. Every pastor has weaknesses, tendencies, personality quirks that often irritate <laughs> I don't have any of those. I don't know what this is about. Uh, that, number one, thank you for laughing. Number two, a little too hard, but that's okay. We all have, we all, we all have things, the irritations, and, and believe me, we try. Every pastor tries. And, 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 and so, beloved, we have to know how to take those things to the Lord. Sometimes the pastor is forgetful. Sometimes he fails to follow up on conversations or sensitive situations. 
and he hurts feelings in the process. Sometimes they're too slow to make decisions. Sometimes they're too fast. Sometimes they're disorganized, frustrating churchgoers with administrative mistakes. Sometimes, I feel like I'm reading my biography, amen. <laughs> See, sometimes pastors don't, they don't, not every pastor is perfect. Not every pastor has everything figured out. And these churches where the men survive, where you hear about these long tenures, you know what they do have? They have other church members and other staff members, and they work together and they come together the way the church should, and they complement each other's weaknesses. Listen to this truth, beloved. Nowhere in the Bible does God say he wants to get rid of all your weaknesses, but the Bible repeatedly says he wants to put somebody in your life to fill in for that weakness and become your strength so that two or three or four or five or more come together and look like one person empowered by Almighty God. Amen. Now, that being said, we don't just go, okay, well, that's just a weakness. I'll just accept it. No, we strive to be better, but we endure each other through that. Be patient towards your pastors. Sometimes these weaknesses are addressed with, with prayer and, and sitting down with the pastor. And, and, and by the way, any Christian, any pastor, church, any one of us, we should be willing to sit down with someone and say, I need to talk to you. By the way, we love it. We love it. We love this. We love, we get the call. Hello. Yeah. Pastor, we need to talk. No, no, we don't. No, no, we don't. <laughs> I just rarely seen, and even, Pastor, we need to talk. I, it's, it's a rare occasion, but it's wonderful. When we need to talk, it's followed up by, the Lord put on my heart to buy you a new car. That's a wonderful thing. Amen. But usually we need to talk means there's a problem, right? Amen. But we can never come to the place where we need to talk is avoiding talking and getting to the place where we can't talk and we need to talk. We need to be able to sit down. We need to grow. And your pastor is going to need to grow as much as you are. Amen. But there's a way to do that, and it's through prayer and through love. It's through patience, long-suffering. The Bible says that we should bear one another's weaknesses just as we want others to bear with ours, trusting that God will use our weaknesses or overcome our weaknesses by the strength of our brother and do what only God can do. Which is why I love the fact the Bible says that he will take the foolish to confound the wise and the weak to confound the strong. Amen. Be careful if you're praying for God to make you strong because you know what God's going to do. He's going to bring somebody weak in to confound you. You didn't hear that. Be careful if you think you're wise because God's going to bring somebody foolish in to confound you because that's what God does. Say amen. It's never about our strength. It's about his. It's never about our wisdom. It's about his. Amen. Now, that's number two. As I, oh, and I'll throw this in. As iron sharpens iron. Y'all know that verse? As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And I worded it a little bit different here. As iron sharpens iron, flawed saints sharpen one another. Amen. Your pastor's weaknesses, <laughs> this is powerful, your pastor's weaknesses that most provoke you might be the very tools that God is using for your sanctification. Amen. Amen. Chew on that one. Let's move on to point number three. Amen. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. Turn to Colossians. We need to look at that. Colossians chapter 3. We're in Colossians on Wednesday night. I love this. We're going to read verse 12 down to verse 14. We're going to focus on verse 13. This is this is good. We need to be patient. We need to endure our pastor's weaknesses. Verse, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. 
Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity or love, which endures all things, and is the bond of perfection. It is love that is the bond of perfection. In the middle of that beautiful paragraph, challenging the church and how we interact with each other, it says, forbear one another and forgive one another. Two things. Forbearing is not in my notes, but I want to hit it quickly because I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. To forbear. It literally means to forbear, to bear somebody else, to go afore you. It means to put somebody in front of you. And the best example I can give you is this. You're driving in your car because you guys know I love to give examples about people driving in their cars. And you come up to a red light and there's two lanes and you have driven this road many times before and you are in the left lane because you know, you know that the right lane comes to an end. And you're in the left lane because you knew that and you saw that and you pulled over and as you're waiting at the red light, you see in your mirror all the people behind you who are pulling over and coming up to that right lane because when the light changes, they suddenly are a NASCAR driver and they're going to hit that gas pedal and race you to where the lane merges and their lane is merging into your lane. You have the right of way. Amen. You have a choice in that moment. Left foot on the brake, right foot on the gas. On that light, you're watching the other light because you can see it turn yellow, and you know as soon as it turns red, that was going to turn green, and it's going to be a race between you and 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 and, and you're gonna. I'm gonna. They're not gonna get past me. I was here first. Not sure that's the time for an amen, but amen. <laughs> but what do we do? What is forbearance? Forbearance is maybe not this exact wording. But I'm going to let that idiot beside me <laughs> go first. And I'm going to pull through the light slowly and cautiously because he's not the only one. And I don't want to injure myself or anybody else fighting about who got here first and who should go first. Forbearance means you go first. Even though I have the right of way. Say amen. Now when you forbear again and again and again and you're like seriously then you go to that next statement which says forgiving one another so now not only do I let that go, guy go first but now as we're driving down the road and I'm behind him and suddenly he forgot that there's a speed limit that is faster than the speed limit he's going because he had to get in front of me to slow down father Forgive them. <laughs> Literally. Father, I'm praying. I pray. and, and have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? Last, the last time somebody... Try this. I don't do it often. It's hard. I'm preaching... Say, so you're preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to me. We're, we're both getting this this morning. Amen. We'll come back to this. We'll get, this, will make, this will make sense in a minute. Bear with me. Driving behind him and you have to say, Lord, I don't know who that person is, but I pray for them. I hope everything's going well in their life. I hope their family's okay. Just, I, I, just, I hope they're a Christian. If they're not, I pray that you'll make them a Christian. Just draw them to you, whatever. Lord, I forgive them. We're both through the light. Everybody's okay. 
bless whoever's in that car in front of me. Amen. See, that's forbearance and that's forgiveness. And that, beloved, is how we're supposed to treat our pastors. And it's how we're supposed to treat each other. We won't treat our pastors that way, and our pastors won't treat us that way until we understand we have to, we have to treat each other that way. Do you get that at all? Say amen. Okay. Forgive your pastor's sins. Forgive him. No matter how godly pastors are going to sin against their congregation, at times they might say a harsh word or make an unfair judgment. They might exhibit pride or act selfishly. When our pastors stumble, are we eager to point out their failure, or are we eager to go before the throne of grace and pray for God to strengthen them and offer them forgiveness? Do we live as brothers and sisters eager to forgive and point each other to the grace that covers all our sin? Grace that is greater than all my sin. Amen? That's all the singing you get out of me. Amen. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Forgive your pastor's sin. That was... Number three, oh, well, I got this, so I'll share this with you. Are you the kind of person who likes to keep a record of wrongs when Jesus has erased the record against us? Oh, this will be tough. You know, some of us are living in church, and we're living our lives, and we're still holding a grudge against a pastor or another church member that we haven't seen in years. And it's not affecting them at all, but it's destroying us. No, beloved, you've got to let it go. Don't keep the record. Why? Because God doesn't keep the record. He says, the Bible says, he's taken all our sins and he's cast them into the depths of the sea. Amen? And one old preacher said, then he put up a no fishing sign. That's good. One preacher said, the Bible tells us that God, God has cast our sins behind his back and he never looks over his shoulder. Amen. See, when God forgives, he forgives completely. And the reality is, the reality is, some of you may not be able to love your new pastor when he gets here the way that God needs you to love him until you forgive something that another pastor did to you who may not even be in this world anymore. Say amen. Oh, forgiveness is a powerful thing, beloved. And the lack of forgiveness is a deadly and dangerous thing. Number four. And I just saw this. To love our pastors means to kill resentment when we're tempted to feed it. Whew. Knowing that this, 1 Peter chapter 4, 8, love covers a multitude of sins. It means to pursue steadfastly when we'd rather retreat angrily so forgive your pastor's sin. Number four, respect your pastor's leadership. Hebrews chapter 13. Ooh, Hebrews chapter 13. And verse 7 and verse 17. I love these verses. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Remember them who have the rule over you. Remember your preachers. Remember your pastors. Remember your teachers. They've spoken to you the word of God. Remember them. And then again in verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. 
See, we live in a culture that worships autonomy and resists authority. We've already talked about that. You see that in the news, in the world right now. We don't know how to handle authority. We don't know how to handle it when it's used properly, and we really don't know how to handle it when we see someone abusing authority. But God has ordained authority, and we need to understand that at no time can we ever allow ourselves to reach the point that I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and what I'm going to do is right, and we're going to do it my way, or we're not going to do it at all. When the Bible tells us that that kind of thing comes purely from the flesh and of the devil. Say amen. So, no, we find unity. We work together. We trust in those that God has given and called to positions of authority. The scripture commands it, and it's for our good. God calls pastors into leadership, and then he holds them accountable to handle their authority with humility and godliness. He also calls churches to respect and submit to their leaders, and he holds us accountable to do so with joy. Do it with joy. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. As I've already said, beloved, one of the greatest burdens that a pastor carries is knowing that he's just preached a message saying that this is a dangerous, deadly thing, that God has told us don't do it, and then he watches as families do it. As a pastor told me one time, and he was preaching through the Bible, and he was preaching about morality and marriage and, and, and talking about waiting and, and waiting until you get married for intimacy and, 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 and talked about that and he shared he preached that time and time again one man one husband one man one woman husband and wife married together till death do they part preaching that preaching that preaching that and then he gets a phone call from a family it's a mother and a father and they sit in his office and they say the first words out of their mouth is pastor the first thing we need to do is we need to ask you to forgive us and he said what for he said, because you would preach these messages, you would preach these messages every Sunday, and then we would get in the car on the way home, and we would tell our children, well, that's just the pastor. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. That's just what he believes. They told him that that's what they did Sunday after Sunday. And then they said, after you forgive us, we need your counsel, because we now have a 15-year-old daughter who is pregnant. Oh, beloved, no greater burden than a pastor has from preaching the word than from preaching the word and knowing that we're not listening to it. That we're not trying to hear from God and be the people that God has called us to be. Respect that authority. Listen to him when he preaches the Bible. And is he going to preach things that we don't like? Absolutely. Is he going to preach sometimes in a style and a manner that we don't like? Absolutely. But listen and let the Holy Spirit let us hear from the Word of God. One of the greatest preachers in history responsible for used by God to be one of the greatest revivals was Jonathan Edwards. And we're told, historians, in his biography, everybody writes a t says that this man was the least charismatic man to ever walk the face of the earth. That he hand-wrote every word of his sermon and he never deviated. And because of the day he read, and he was going blind in his later, so he read his sermon. So this is how he preached, literally hunched over the pulpit, reading almost monotone by candlelight. But everything he said, right out of the word of God so much so that when he preached that sermon sinners in the hands of an angry God without ever looking up from his pulpit without ever looking up from his message the spirit of God moved in that congregation with so much power that men and women literally held onto the pews because they felt as if the ground were going to open up and they would swallow into hell at any moment and this from a man who never raised his voice 
Never move from behind the pulpit and preach by candlelight. No, the power of God isn't on the style. The power of God is in the substance of the message. So you pray for your new pastor that he is deeper in the word of God than he's ever been before. Amen. And then the last two things quickly. Love him when you don't understand him and give him the freedom to be a man with his own life and his own family. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 says this. You may know this. You can look this one up. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 says, If a man knows not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? One of the things that we do in our churches, and I despise this, and, and I had to fight for them. When I went to the ministry, my wife and I fought for this. We did this. We were able to do this by God's grace. One of the things I despise is the demands that a church will place on a pastor that they wouldn't place on their own family. You know there's people in the church who don't think a pastor needs a vacation? You want to know why? There's people in the church who think the pastor only works on Sunday morning. Well, that got quiet. Uh, no beloved pastor works sometimes not as hard as he should, but usually harder than most of us realize. And your pastor needs time to be with his family. And it's amazing to me how many church members, and this is one of the reasons, we went through this in the 70s and 80s, one of the reasons we, we went through this, it amazes me how many, how many church members will say they, they expect the pastor to be at every graduation, every birthday party, every ceremony, even if it means missing one of his own children. Never do that. Amen. Let your pastor, because one of the things that breaks my heart is the number of pastors, too many of them, whose children grow up and leave the church. And I could name the names of pastors right now, and you'd know their names, who are still in the ministry, but they're not in the ministry with their wives, because their wife left them, and graciously, they're still serving as a pastor somewhere. Children who serve, but their pastor... The, the pastor who raised them in church no longer goes to church or serves in the church because of how the church treated him. My pastor, my pastor, the one who led me into the ministry and was responsible for me becoming a pastor and a preacher who, who, who put it before the church to have me ordained and helped me find my first church is no longer in the ministry. And he's the one who told me the story of how when he was a kid, he saw a deacon slap his father who was a pastor and he was angry at his father. He said, you should have decked him. And his pastor, his father, said, no. He says, no, no. The Bible says, man, smite you on the cheek. You turn the other cheek. So God knows what happened. God can take care of him. But I will not strike back. I will not do that. And neither should you. And so much so that he grew up and became a pastor, but then... Now he no longer is a pastor. These stories are stories I want to stop telling. I want to stop hearing. And you should too say amen. The story should be that the congregation is gathered around the casket of their faithful shepherd by the hundreds of the man who was with them and loved them and they loved him and let him love his family for 30, 40 or 50 years or as long as God will allow. Say amen. See, the most beautiful and wonderful thing, and, and I'll give you the sixth thing and tie these last two together. Don't just love him. 
Love him for a long time. Plan on loving him forever. Plan on loving him until Jesus comes back. Plan on him being your pastor until Jesus returns. Amen. Love him for a long time. Because a wise church sets her, hurt, sets her heart on loving her pastors for a long time. Not just putting up with them, although we've already said you're going to have to do that. But that's not the way, but just love them and, and pray for them. Love them. Commit to loving him for the long term. You want a man to be here to bless your babies, baptize your believers, and bury your dead. <laughs> you want a man who's there for the long haul. I, I remember when Pastor Dr. Pennington, I remember before he retired and we were at First Baptist there in Douglasville for a while, and I remember him getting up. And I remember the a young young one coming up uh, had been saved, and they were going to baptize him. This was a teenage girl, and I remember him telling the story of how he baptized her parents and her grandparents, and now he gets to baptize her. Three generations. That's a beautiful thing. Amen. You don't want a stranger to do these things. If if and, and so we need to commit to doing more than just tolerating our pastors. Love them. Pray for them. Love them so much. Love your pastor so much. I'm going to come back to that one. I'm going to close with that. (laughs) Love him. I'm going to go back to number five. Love him. Let him have time with his family. Some of you, sometimes you need to look at, sometimes you need to look at the pastor and you need to tell him, you need a vacation. Amen. You know, there are some pastors who don't take one. And I've told him, I said, you're wrong. You're going to burn out. It's going to cost you. And I've seen it happen. Amen. Sometimes you need to look at your pastor and say, you need a vacation. Sometimes he needs a vacation because he needs a vacation. Sometimes he needs a vacation because you need a vacation from him. Amen. But tell him you need a vacation. Tell him. Tell him. Take your family out to dinner. Pastor, take your family out to dinner. You need to go spend time with your family and then give him a gift card. Amen. You know, I still have gift cards for Texas Roadhouse. Amen. With Church of Mississippi, take your wife out, take your son out. I got, and I had one lady, and she kept giving me Texas Roadhouse gift cards. I can't, I can't eat that much steak. Well, actually, I can, but I shouldn't eat that much steak. It's okay to go to your pastor and take your family out. Take your family out. Spend time with them. Go love on your family. Amen? Amen? And this is what I'll close with this. Love your pastor to the point that he thinks to himself on his worst day, I would be a fool to leave this church. And then let him love you so that on your worst days, you would think that you would be a fool to leave this church. Amen? Because God is moving in both the hearts of the pastor and in the heart of the congregation. You have an incredible challenge coming up in about three weeks. You're going to start loving your new senior pastor. And unless Jesus comes back, and if I'm still here, I want to come back in 10 years. And I want y'all to still be loving each other. Amen? But I want you to be doing it with a lot more people. And a lot more ministry. Because God is working in First Baptist Church of Mableton through his people and through his pastor for his glory and his honor in this community to the ends of the earth. And all God's people said, amen. Now let's pray. Let's pray.